You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, and our focus is on mastering communication as an essential leadership skill so that you can command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal in any context. This week, in honor of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we are having a special episode on inclusive conversation, specifically, I love this theme, replacing judgment with curiosity. And joining me in this conversation today, my guest is Vivian Wesson, hailing from the city of brotherly love here in Philadelphia. Vivian serves as executive vice president, corporate secretary, and general counsel to the Board of Pensions for the Presbyterian Church, an agency committed to the mutual care and wholeness of its 65,000 members. Vivian has penned several articles on social justice issues, including the impact of AI on access to social justice, facial recognition technology, which I personally think is fascinating, and environmental racism. Vivian considers herself the Johnny Cash. Naturally, if you're not watching the video, I can totally see where Johnny Cash would be the natural doppelganger here of educational opportunities because she's been everywhere, man. Attending schools from Indiana to New Hampshire, Mexico, California, Austria, Germany, France, New York, and of course, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Thank you so much. Fantastic introduction. Thank you, Dr. Sokola. May I call you Laura? Oh, please do. Yes. Now, tell us a little bit. That was a pretty impressive intro. Tell us a fun fact about you. Fun fact. Throughout high school and undergrad, I perform improvisational comedy in various theaters. Our group, known as Without a Box, as the name mm-hmm. implied, had no place to perform. So talk about true improvisation. We would have to find a theater in advance, try to get an audience, and just create magic out of thin air. I will say the one skill set that I learned that has enhanced my legal career has been learning the skill of yes and. Being able to receive something and then having to react to it in the moment. First of all, I love improv. It is so, I mean, I haven't done it myself other than on a daily basis, uh, having some fun with it, but just being able to go to see shows and the, the quick wit involved of the really good performers at Second City and the comedy sports here in Philadelphia. There's so many great places. Whose line is it anyway? Uh, yes. Um, uh, being televised is like that. It is truly a skill set. And it is one I actually advocate for people who are more introverted to attend these types of classes. Mm. It is not so that you need to be Eddie Murphy level funny. That's not the Mm -hmm. point. It's not to convert you to Chris Rock. The point is, so you are much more nimble of mind and flexible of conversation and being more, as you said, open and curious, less judgmental because your mindset starts at yes and. When we talk about introversion. And by the way, everybody, I did not prompt her to say that. I know there are a lot of people who are going, but Laura, you know, you're more extroverted and you don't understand. You heard it from my guest, unprompted. So this is for extroverts and introverts. And it's not about being the funny person. That's not the primary skill set here. But where I often hear more reflective thinkers struggle is for those who aren't more quick to respond. They need a lot of time to process. They want to be able to digest everything, all of which are good qualities. And for those on the opposite end of the spectrum, 
could stand to do a little bit more of that. Yes. But for those who really wrestle with, I can't jump into conversations. I'm not fast enough. Learning improv, just one class to work on that reflex skill, being able to jump in a little faster, I would think is right up there with that yes and piece as far as a major communication and leadership skill set. Am I right in that, Vivian? Definitely a key leadership skill set is flexibility, is being able to receive and react in the moment. If you think of crises, and let me see if I can think of a recent crisis. Oh yeah, pandemic. (laughs) I've heard of that, yes. Probably once or twice. In that moment, if you are an executive of an organization and you're really trying to think of, it's like just from my prior group, 85,000 colleagues worldwide who are all impacted simultaneously about this major thing, but you still need to keep the lights on. How are you reacting in that moment? It's like, what are the various things? If they didn't improvise what happened over the last three years, so it's like, we would not be talking about an economy that's as strong as it is. Improvisation, whether or not you, you oh, I, I can never do that. Like, get, get on stage. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you a parent? You improvise <laughs> every day. <laughs> it's like, yes. Getting those kids to school, getting them into their practices. Like, you improvise. You don't, you may not want to call it that, but that's what you're doing. Yep. Yes. And you can be the most scheduled person on the planet, but stuff happens. And what's the phrase you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans, something along those lines. Life happens and you need to just learn. People play and God laughs. Yes, exactly. And I think one of the most overused terms of the last couple of years has been pivot. But let's face it, we do it all the time. And so learning that reflex and how to, not just how to do it, but how to be okay with it. And understanding that it's not about the perfection in the result. It's about the possibility and the constant attempts to improve whatever the current status is. We can't worry about imperfection in the long run. We just keep honing. I think improv just teaches you that the imperfect is that level of vulnerability that you share out with your audience. To be able to bring people close in and have this exchange to create something from which there was nothing before becomes this magic that you think that you're creating. And sometimes, yeah, it's funny, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes just the ingenuity of it and having that social interaction, especially if you're a person not as comfortable with your social interaction, being able to do that and create that space with you and another community is amazing. Yes. So I think that's going to be our theme today. This is going to be a thread that we're going to run through the whole conversation is that flexibility, that improvisational opportunity, that curiosity, the yes and all together. And for anybody who hasn't been, most of us have taken some sort of leadership communication development class where the yes and concept has been introduced. But for anybody out there who's not familiar with what we're talking about, can you give a 30 second overview? What does yes and mean? So yes and, especially in improv context, means If we're in a scene together, Laura and I, it's a matter of never using the word but, but working from whatever you land it to me, that is what your reaction, your reality is completely threaded by and circumscribed by whoever the first person to react to what that hypothetical was. You make sure that that continues to be part of the reality without adding in a but. So the conversational journey in the car, you can never hit the brakes and back up. You have to keep going and just keep wherever the road is turning. You just have to go with it and figure out another turn from there. But nevertheless, the yes and is the idea of just receiving 
whatever has been said and figuring out how to work with it without an active point blank negation. Yes. Now, we've talked about that silence is the enemy of DEI. And before we even get into that, for those who are not familiar, if there's anybody with the acronym of DEI or DEIB, as I believe is more completely spelled out nowadays, the belonging, inclusion, diversity, diversity, and equity. Yes. Just to get all those out there and make sure people are clear on the full acronym. And when attempting to create an environment, work or otherwise, where there is that feeling that everybody has belonging. There's a lot of talk out there about stepping into the discomfort and and opening the discussions and how to address these kinds of things. But it's scary to step into some of these conversations. We want to look today at, at what some of those fears are, especially the fear of doing it wrong, fear of repercussions, and most importantly, the tools to move past them so that we can engage in the conversations that will allow everyone to feel like they belong and to feel like they are part of the team and comfortable and happy and able to have a good, healthy relationship with everybody else in the organization. So I think everybody's got some sort of unconscious biases, concerns, thoughts. You know, how would we start learning to look inward to identify what some of our own fears and our own unconscious hesitations, where they might come from? I will say first that in order for Abide or DEILB or anything to work is silence is the absolute death of any of those types of projects. Being able to accept that we need to be more curious and open for conversation is how you really start opening up the aperture of how do I get past an uncomfortable situation? When I first started this job about a year and a half ago, I had the unfortunate, I mentioned that whole pandemic thing. I had managed to escape up until this particular point, came down with COVID in the middle of one of my inaugural board meetings. Mm. We were staying at a very fancy hotel for which I had to be immediately thrown out in quarantine in my apartment. I am full mass, you know, bundled up my things. I'm making sure I'm going to take an elevator that's completely empty. I go out into the hallway and I'm waiting there and I see someone approaching and it happened to be one of the service attendants for hotel. She recognized that I am standing there and said, good morning. And I demurred and slid over and just very quietly said, good morning. She didn't hear me. So her thought was, as the elevator opened up and I was not going to join her, that she's like, well, perhaps you didn't hear me the first time when I said good morning to you. I said, oh. And my immediate instinct was, is this an instance where I should apologize? And instead, my reaction was, I'm really trying to distance. I did say good morning, but quietly, I'm trying to lessen my interaction with people because I have COVID, which changed her reaction. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. And got into the elevator. I hope you feel better. But here's what was happening. Mm. I was standing there thinking, this is my first board meeting. (laughs) And you got to get COVID. (laughs) And what am I going back home to? I just moved into the apartment. I had one thing of yogurt and a can of cherry seltzer. I was going to be starving. Had no doctor. Had no one to see. All of this is running through my head as I'm standing there, like wheezing in and out of my chest, just waiting for this experience to be over. That's my monologue. Do you know what hers was? She's looking at this African-American woman who was too bougie, disdain to acknowledge her existence and wish her a good morning. That was her bias. 
her unconscious bias is, oh, I see what's happening. She's a guest here at this fancy hotel. Clearly, she's not capable of having a conversation with me. Quite the opposite. So my monologue is going on here. But what she took away from that was, and I was very proud of her, actually, that she turned even as she's going to the elevator says, perhaps you didn't hear me the first time. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's like, in point, in fact, I did. And it was an opportunity to say, perhaps in this space, you could have allowed to be curious, maybe something's going on with this particular person Mm -hmm. that didn't allow them to be friendly. One of the campaigns that we recently started, and this is the perfect story that I shared with them as well, is DEI starts with high. Just being able to greet another colleague within the organization and say, hello, acknowledge their existence. And yes, I will tell you, everyone has their own internal monologue going on. There's a million things that you're thinking about, not just the person that's approaching you, that the instinct to say hello and to be a kind greeter. But that's one of those instances where I said to folks, this is where there should be a pause. Something else might be going on with that person. Mm. Be a little more curious. And if you happen to have some familiarity with him or her and they didn't greet you as we normally try to create that inclusive culture, they do a kind follow-up on the other end and say, everything okay? Usually you're bubbly and bright or usually you're a nicer greeter or someone who would acknowledge. And you might actually make someone's day to do that reach out and start up that conversation because the slight wasn't about you there was something going on with that person. Right. And for that matter, we don't know what happened to her five minutes before. We don't know what elevator she got out of and who talked to her or didn't talk to her or treated her a certain way or whatever else. Everybody's got their backgrounds and we all have history. So I love that you, actually, the words you said were, I was proud of her for re-initiating conversation. Now, it was a little, you know, edgy of sorts, but at least she reopened and she gave the opportunity to redirect the conversation. So tell me why you said you were proud of her. When someone is in an uncomfortable space and they're living within their own internal unconscious biases, or in this case, it was a very conscious assumption that she made, a judgment about who I was, that she was willing to be vulnerable enough and accountable enough to speak up again and say, I didn't think that was very kind of you to not acknowledge my existence, Mm. not realizing all of the stuff that I just shared. That's where my focus was as opposed to, I was like, but in the end, she is still right. I should have more vocally made some attempt or at least preface. I was like, just so you know, I'm moving away from you. Good morning, but I have COVID. I just want to make sure that we take separate elevators. Mm. But if I'm living in my own little pathway of nightmare, didn't spend that extra moment. So I was very proud that she was able to do the flip back and say, what's wrong with you? (laughs) That level of courageousness that not everybody has. What are some of the things that we can start to look for internally? Because so much of, we've addressed a couple of times, the reflex, right? The reaction that we have, which usually we don't think of consciously. We just either react verbally or internally, but it's still there. How do we find that moment to pause where we're ready for a reaction, what's a question we can ask ourselves, a mantra we can say to ourselves, but some sort of, I don't need to think about this, my go-to reaction when my brain goes, what, wait a minute, before I either shoot my mouth off or otherwise just retreat and stew forever on this, we'll go back to the improv. What's a first and 
that we can say or a question to ask ourselves even? The first question to ask yourself is, yes, and didn't get the reaction I was expecting when I addressed this person or made a comment out loud that the other person, obviously, it didn't hit well, strike well with whomever that was. But the end part of the conversation has to be, perhaps I did not (laughs) express that how I intend it. Do I repackage that again, which is the hotel worker situation? Or can I take a pause here? Because this is probably not the moment to do the engagement Mm. and do the follow-up afterward. Because part of the yes and sort of improv world is not to try to be immediately reactive because you might be reacting immediately from a place where you're digging up your own biases and judgments. Mm. I share often with folks that if you receive a slight and you categorize that as a microaggression, someone made some quip to you at some meeting, it's like, oh, I'm surprised how articulate you are uh, on this particular topic. You know, thank you. So you can choose to go the, what I call the Dave Chappelle route of when keeping it real goes really wrong. If anybody hasn't seen those old sketches, you know, go to YouTube and look up Dave Chappelle. It is painful in the comedy in a lot of ways, but we can all imagine those moments where you hear something you don't like and you go, I shouldn't respond this way, but I really want to. And it's sort of the, if I were to tell this person what I really am thinking and would really be cathartic for about five seconds, what the outcome of that might look like. And he does a brilliant job of absolutely having everything go to hell in a handbasket real quickly. So, uh, but continue, please. So from my perspective, and I say to folks, if you're the target of this instance where maybe they didn't say exactly how they might have intended Mm. Or how it landed on you was just like bricks as opposed to feathers. Yep. You just got handed a brick from your perspective. It is not as, say, to keep it real and be authentic. You immediately, I'm taking off my earrings and putting Vaseline on my face, which is like the black girl thing was like, (laughs) I'm going to throw. That can't be the reaction. The reaction, especially in a professional setting, is yes. And I think what they were trying to do is pass me a compliment. I think I will now repackage that compliment by putting it back to them in a question that's like, oh, when you said very articulate and you were surprised, you were surprised because I'm usually a person who just like cracks the jokes or are you surprised because I'm usually the quieter person in the room? I'm just curious as to what was surprising to you. Yes. That you would label me articulate in this moment. Yeah. And that person might say, oh, no, I I didn't quite. So you'll get that sort of stammering, making sure I can adjust and pivot and think about, or even back to the other person who said something, landed brick, but they meant feather. Mm. Go and find the feather is what I generally advise folks. Because if you can curiously ask the question in such a way that we are not chappelling it, where you're going down the rabbit hole. No rabbit hole. Ask for the feather. And it may be that you get, you find out you did get a brick. That's a different conversation, right? That's a different conversation, but being open to the possibility that there was actually an intended feather. Beautiful. Have you ever read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss? No. Fabulous book on negotiation. Chris Voss, he's the founder of the Black Swan Group, but he was the chief hostage negotiator for the FBI. So you can imagine this is a little bit high stakes in the conversations he was having. But 
the tactics. It's a negotiation strategy book that he gives. And one of the things that he uses that's a very easy tool to include is just to take the word that the other person has said and just send it back as into the word or the phrase that's the problem and reframe it back as the question. So articulate and just leave it right there because the idea is to keep the comment as concise as possible in redirecting and just allow them to focus. That's because you're not making a big deal about anything. You're not. The more we tend to hedge, the more we tend to qualify and try to explain and ask, then it's almost like, well, we're being the defensive ones and that's not what we're trying to do. So just uh, articulate and just see what this, oh yeah, well, because I mean, and then leave it as an open blank where we're not even giving them multiple choices. Is it because I'm usually quiet or because of this or because of that? In some ways, that may almost give them an out that they may or may not have. Intended. Let's see what they come up yeah. with. Now, if they That's do true. stammer, maybe helping them with the uh, multiple choice, it can start the process. But it's always interesting for those who do have trouble with the reflex of the yes and figuring out what to say. Find the word that's stuck in your craw. Yeah, surprisingly and articulate. Just- <laughs> <laughs> and having that octave go up, like voice right. inflection works wonders. Yes. And when in doubt, the one eyebrow cock that you just did, if for those who are only listening on Apple Podcasts or something else, that's also a pretty good hint that perhaps you'd like to rephrase. So we're removing bricks. Let's go for feather. Let's go for feather. Yes. Yes. That's funny. Nonverbals express much, to say the least, as far as displeasure is concerned Amen. before we go to that Uber keeping it real, so to speak. One thing I do want to bring back from our normal conversations is the 24-hour listener influence challenge. I think this is a good opportunity. So Vivian, this is an opportunity for you to, to challenge our listeners to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? My challenge, and this is one that I share with any mentee or anyone who is aspiring to leadership quality, stop apologizing. Stop Hmm. apologizing. Okay. If you're in a scenario where you bump into someone in the grocery store, it's, excuse me. They bump into you, it's, excuse you. (laughs) But... The concept, and people tend to go ahead and do your own informal poll. People tend to want to diminish themselves and become invisible, shrink in the face of being in an uncomfortable space, including some mm. of these DEI conversations. Yeah. The tendency is always to, I'm sorry, or I apologize. You show up late to a meeting and don't let it be a woman or a woman of color. 99% of the time, it's an immediate apology. It's like, well, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. And it's said multiple times. So, because you can be really, really sorry, stop apologizing. Empower yourself by you choosing the words, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, running a little late, I'll be there momentarily. Excuse me, got hung up at the, oh, pardon me, I see you wanted to get by here. Do it. And start observing how many people around you are constantly apologizing as well. Mm. Give them the tip. Because Here's what it does. And if you think culturally, if you examine the Latin culture or even any Romance language, German or Spanish, what I very learned early on in studying both Spanish and German, there are different words for, excuse me, pardon me, than I'm sorry. Mm. And Shurugunzi is very different from saying, I am like constantly sorry for my existence. Empower yourself to distinguish that there are two different types. Now, there will be occasions where you really should apologize. <laughs> yes, let's, let's be, be clear, clear about that. We're not at all telling people. So all over 
everybody, just stop apologizing. Don't apologize to everybody. That's, if anything, the opposite of what we're trying to talk about here is recognizing when there perhaps is something to apologize for. But to distinguish that from places where it's not technically an apology, it's just an acknowledgement of. So let's, can you actually, Vivian, distinguish what does the meaning of I'm sorry mean that is distinguished from excuse me or pardon me? And why is one more empowering than another? So I am sorry. It's the, I bow to you. I am the most culpable person. I need to make apology and own up to, and and that's really the distinction is the accountability piece. The culpability. I like that word that you use. I apologize. This is not what my intention was. This is, there are always going to be places for an apology. Mm -hmm. The heartfelt apology of this is not what I intended. But here, distinguish when I ask you to pardon me. I ask you to excuse me. Excusing me, I am putting now the action item on you. Excuse me. It is now, I am treating us in this same space, but asking you to participate in where this accountability is. You rammed into me with your grocery cart. You're dealing with all your kids. That's far more empowering than you're constantly needing to have the accountability be all yours in society. Beautiful. Now, in wrapping this all up, we've had some of those challenging conversations, those odd, awkward moments, bricks and feathers, all that. How do we inject civility back into the conversation so that we're all moving forward and building relationships? So I know you only gave me one challenge for folks, but here's number two. Okay. Your second challenge to be able to inject more civility and more inclusivity, more sense of belonging. Mm. You have three part challenge task. Number one, be kind to yourself. Okay. Be kind to yourself. Do something for yourself that you thought before was indulgent. If I do this, Mm. go ahead and watch those Dave Chappelle episodes. (laughs) It's like spend some time doing something that's just uniquely for you. If it's reading a book, if it's watching a program, if it's listening to this podcast, Mm. whatever that may be that puts you in a zone that you're caring for yourself, be kind. Mm. The second is be kind to someone that you love. We're in a society now where probably more than ever, especially in the grip of that pandemic, where we felt so isolated and alone. Wouldn't it just be wonderful to make sure that you do a reach out to grandma? I encourage my son all the time. It doesn't matter where you are in his generation. Drop a text. This is easy. Yeah. Just send a note of kindness that you're thinking about someone. But number three, be kind to someone you don't even know. Yeah. An absolute stranger. Starting off that level of civility. And I'm talking simple task. How about, here's a crazy one. (laughs) Don't hit the door close button on the elevator when Mm. you see someone running to it. How about you not do that? How about you find it where me, I'm like, don't touch it at all. Stick your hand in there and hope for the best. Because I will invariably, I'm like, is it the two arrows in or is it two going out? Like hieroglyphics to me, can't figure it out, stick the arm in, but holding a door for someone saying, D, I does start with hi, just being able to greet someone, a stranger. My son and I had the pleasure of going to Winter Tour and seeing the Anne Lowe exhibit. Mm. And Winter Tour, for anybody who doesn't know, is a beautiful public garden. It's absolutely stunning in Delaware. But as we were walking along Pathway, we are encountering other folks who had similar ideas to us, various ages, ethnicities, the whole spectrum of the demographic. Mm. And to a person, we would greet them. 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And the reception, we're just me, my son, tall, six foot black guy. It was me. I'm a tallish woman myself. We'll walk along, older, elderly, white couple walking toward us. And we bright smiles, faces. Oh, happy new year. Isn't this lovely? Isn't it a lovely day? The reaction is, you know that they have their own unconscious biases about walking down quiet pathways with potentially, you know, two people of color. It was magic. We just created magic by making sure to a letter to a person that you extend that kindness, that greeting, that's universal. Happy New Year. Beautiful. Tell me, Vivian, if I can insert a 2B in there, because we've got the self, we've got loved ones, we've got strangers. Let's go in the middle and add a point five or add a fourth, if we want to put it on the end, but to coworkers and people who you see every day, your acquaintances, saying that good morning to someone you see on a regular basis, but just sort of tend to pass in the hallway and stare at your phone and not really acknowledge existence or pass, you happen to make eye contact as you're passing their office, something along those lines, just actually, rather than just a nod, say good morning. Not just say good morning. And we talked about this before. I know we're on like this podcast, so some people are only listening, but a smile yes. melts just the most frigid of souls. Just being able to, you may be going through your own internal monologue of crises, but just being able to break out, it fills you, but it's so much more fulfilling to the person who's seeing you. They, all the pearlies that you can give, just being <laughs> able to extend that, even if you're not in a moment where you can strike up even just the conversation about the weather, mm-hmm. but a smile to a stranger, Heck, I say smile to yourself, like stand in front of the mirror, just the act of in the muscles involved in yes. being able to bring a smile to your own face and sharing that out with the world is an, the, a random act of kindness. Yes. And even if they're not so random, if we're planning on today, my goal for myself is to smile and say good morning to everybody I pass in the hallway or at least smile and nod as I'm walking past. If there's too many. So that's planned, but still seemingly random to them. Yes, it is. I love it. So with that, much as I hate for this conversation to come to a close, because there's about 47 other things that I wanted to delve into with you. Tell us, please, how can people learn more about you and the Board of Pensions? Absolutely. We are both on LinkedIn. If you are a dynamic, courageous, and a culturally curious person, and you would love to be a part of our culture in helping us create this world of abundance and being able to live the life abundant to which God created for any of our members and for yourself and your family. Can you join ours? We have many job opportunities open. You can see some of them via LinkedIn. You can also find a way to reach out to me if you would like to continue this conversation and have a one-on-one about your own particular abide journey as you become more belonging, create more inclusivity and living into your diversity and creating more equity for society. So look at that, everybody. You got not just an invitation to connect with someone in person, not just lots of great tips on mental flexibility, curiosity, having some fun and creating random acts of kindness, all in beautiful honor of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and beyond. You also have some new job opportunities out there. So if you've been looking for a new home professionally with new opportunities looking forward, you even got that. Tell me you don't get value out of this show every day. Mic drop. Vivian, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Laura.
And to everybody else, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.